When I was younger, we used to sing a song in children's church called Dare to Be a Daniel. And the second line of the chorus was, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. And I remember singing that as a kid, and it was just words, and so you just sang them because those happened to be the next set of words. But oddly enough, this week, as I was in our passage, that phrase, dare to stand alone, just popped back into my mind. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit's leading. But I was reminded again of the story of Daniel, and that song especially, I think, is connected with Daniel and the lion's den. If you're not familiar with the story, Daniel was a believer in God who was living and working in the government of an atheistic country. And so he was an administrator. There were three of them, and they were over 120 governors who governed the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire was not uh, Christian. They were not uh, sort of following the God of creation. But Daniel was, and he was working in that environment. And as he's working in that environment, there were a number of sort of sacrifices that he had to make. Things were not run the way that he would have preferred. And there were lots of things going on in that culture that were hard for him, I believe, as a follower of God. But for the most part, he sort of endured what was going on until... The 120 governors who were jealous of Daniel, who was an administrator over them, and they sort of conspired together to try to get rid of Daniel. And so what they did is all 120 sort of worked together, went to the king of Persia and said, we need to pass a rule that no one is allowed to pray to anyone other than you. And so the king of Persia, flattered by this, passes this rule. Now Daniel had put up with a lot of stuff up to this point, but at prayer he sort of drew the line and was like, this is non-negotiable. And so even though the law had been passed, he went up into his room and continued to do what everybody knew he was going to do, which is he continued to pray morning, noon, and night. Well, this is what the 120 governors were waiting for. And so conspiring together, they find Daniel, and they find him in violation of this new law, they report him, and the king has no choice except to punish Daniel, and he punishes him by throwing him into a, lion, into a den where they keep lions. And thinking about that story again this week, I'm reminded, man, everybody you work with is trying to get you not only fired, but killed. And you're the only one, and I think... Man, what a tough road. What a lonely road. And then as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of another story in the Old Testament of about a prophet named Micaiah. And Micaiah lived at a time when Ahab was the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And Ahab got in his mind that he wanted to go to war. And so he asked Jehoshaphat if they would sort of go together in an alliance against the king of Aram. And so Ahab's like, okay, in a perfunctory sort of way, he invites the prophets to come and tell him that his idea is a good idea. Well, Jehoshaphat is there, and and Ahab assembles 400 prophets. And all 400 prophets are told, hey, look, this is the message you need to agree with. They agree with it, and they tell the kings of Judah and Israel, you're going to be victorious, go to war. Well, Jehoshaphat, who's more religious than Ahab, was like, Uh, I got a guy we need to ask, and so he has them uh, bring in Micaiah, who's the only real prophet among them. And Micaiah is told, hey, look, 400 people have already agreed to this. Just add your name, and we're good to go. 
But Micaiah is like, no, I had to tell you what the Lord tells me. And he knows that those 400 prophets have fallen prey to a spirit of deception. And so Micaiah, in the face of great persecution and struggle, stands up and against all 400, says, no, that's wrong. And he is mocked and reviled for doing that. And I think to myself, man, 400 prophets and just one guy. And I think, that's a tough road. To have to face down the two kings that already want to go and do this, the one who wants to kill you anyway, and all 400 prophets and say, no, I don't agree, that's wrong. That's a tough road. That's a lonely road. There's a story about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul has been told by the Holy Spirit that he needs to go to Jerusalem. And so he's made plans to go to Jerusalem. And on his way, and this is one of the so stories in the Bible when it kind of makes you scratch your head and say, God, what are you up to? On his way, a man filled with the Spirit comes and prophesies that Paul is going to suffer immensely when he gets uh, to Jerusalem. And so all the Christians, all of the followers of Jesus, good Christians, all of them, unite to tell Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. All of them. But Paul says, but I got commanded to do this. And so against everybody's advice, imagine that, every good Christian you know is telling you to do one thing. And Paul thinks the Holy Spirit's telling him to do something else. And so he's like, I got to obey. And I think to myself, that's a tough road. It's a lonely road. What about you? Maybe you're sending your kids to a Christian school or maybe you are a kid at a Christian school. And maybe the prevailing trend all around you is for all the parents and all the other kids to sort of sign on to what the culture thinks is fine from a sexuality point of view and to disregard what God may have to say about it. And you're feeling like, man, has everybody lost their mind? Does nobody want to stand with Jesus? That can be a tough road. It can be a lonely road. Or maybe you're in a situation where everybody around you has a certain set of political views and they want you to support a particular candidate that in your heart you're convinced the Lord will not allow you to put your name next to that candidate. And everybody around you, even those who are claiming to be Christians, are no, you need to be part of this. There can be a lot of pressure there. That can be a hard road. A lonely road. Well, Jesus has something important to say to all of us on the roads that we face and the choices that we have to make in life. So let me invite you to take a Bible. You've already heard the passage read three times already this morning, but it's such a good passage, we're going to read it again. Matthew chapter seven. If you need to borrow a Bible, we would be super honored if you would take one from the rack in front of you. It looks just like this. If you find one of these Bibles and you turn to page 788, you will be in Matthew chapter seven. So one of these Bibles in the rack in front of you, 788. If you brought your own Bible, also fantastic. Uh, Matthew chapter seven. And the verses that were read for us in the video are verses 13 and 14 of Matthew seven. I'm going to read them again for us. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus teaching and explaining truth to us. And this is what Jesus says. Enter... Through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate 
and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now in this teaching, to understand what Jesus is saying, there are four contrasts that as we observe those, give us an opportunity to hear Jesus speaking these words to us today. The first contrast is between the words broad and narrow. Broad and narrow. Now in the city of Oxford, there is a street called Broad Street. And it's called Broad Street because it is, as you guessed, broad. It's really wide. It may be something like 50 yards from one side to the other. Broad Street kind of runs right through the center of Oxford. And there's lots and lots of people all the time on Broad Street. But it never feels full because there's so much space. There's lots and lots of room. But right near Broad Street is an almost impossible to find passage called St. Helen's Passage. And it is very narrow. It's probably only about four feet across. It's a little sidewalk. It has a couple of twists and turns. You can only walk down it single file. But occasionally, you will see people on Broad Street who are searching for St. Helen's Passage. And the reason they're looking for St. Helen's Passage is because St. Helen's Passage, uh, which runs between two buildings, so you kind of feel closed in on both sides, it leads to a hidden away pub where the cast of the Harry Potter movies hung out when they were in Oxford filming. And so lots of people want to find that passage to lead to that place. Jesus says one road choice for you and I is the broad road. Now the word for broad means spacious. In other contexts, it's a positive word, but not here. The idea is, is that when there's a broad road, there's no constraints. People are able to do whatever they feel like doing. They're free to do whatever they want. If you go to Broad Street in Oxford, people are wandering around doing whatever they feel like doing. Jesus says, one road is broad. The other is narrow. And narrow here is a word that's often used, a Greek word that's often used for oppression or for suffering, which is one of the ways that we know that Jesus is talking metaphorically. And one of the roads is broad, spacious, unconstrained, and the other is narrow. And the idea is like in the case of Micaiah, those 400 prophets, they were walking down Broad Street. They were free to do whatever they wanted to do. And so when the king said, this is the view I want you to have, they're like, okay, we can hold that view. We can all hold it together. Micaiah is on the narrow road. He's not free to believe whatever he wants to believe. He can't just say, oh yeah, God told me. He can't just say, yeah, this is what God wants. He can't say what the king wants to hear because that's not what God is saying. Micaiah is on the narrow road. He's not free to do whatever he feels like doing. He's constrained. It's not ultimately his decision where this road is going to lead. But the rest of them, the 400 of them, they're able to do whatever the king wants them to do. And so the first contrast is between that which is broad and that which is narrow. 
One road is broad and wide and spacious. The other is narrow, more constrained, more difficult. It's a road filled with more suffering, with more struggle, with more oppression. There's a second contrast between many and few. Many and few. Broad is the road and many are on it. The other road is narrow and on that road there are few people. Now we see this contrast between many and few play out just in everyday life as we live it. If you go on college campuses around the country uh, this week or next week as people are getting started, you will find many people on those campuses out in the quads, playing frisbee, having a great time, joining clubs, organizations, hanging out in dorms, having lots of fun, enjoying the good weather. You will find many, many people on these campuses doing these things. But if you go into the libraries, not right before exam time, but now, you'll find a few people. A few people serious who've already got their syllabi, who are already kind of planning out when they're going to be studying. They've already gotten their books. They're already working ahead. That's not where the majority on college campuses are now, but there are a few who are in there. Two paths, the many and the few. It's playing out on athletic fields sort of around the city, high school sports, middle school sports, people starting in rec sports, all of those kinds of things. And there'll be lots and lots of people who are signing up for cross country and for soccer and for field hockey and for football. And you'll go and you'll see many participating. But there's also a few who are showing up to practice early and staying late. There's a few that are doing extra conditioning. There are a few who are changing their diets and trying to do, uh, have good healthy habits so that they can have sort of success on the playing field. There's the many who are participating, and the few who have chosen a different road in their participating. I mean, the same is true in Science Olympiad or robotics or drama or anything that people participate in. There is the road that many are on, and then there's a harder road, a more difficult road, a more serious road, a road that's got more struggle with it, and there's fewer people on that road. It's kind of like you got Daniel and then 120 governors. You got Micaiah and then 400 prophets. You've got Paul and then everybody else. One road has lots and lots of people on it. The other has just a few. The second contrast, the many and the few. Now at this point, hopefully you're asking the question, well, if I got a choice between two roads, why would anybody choose the narrower road and the lonelier road? Why would anybody choose the road of suffering and the road of difficulty? Because when it says there are few, that means it's lonelier. You're never alone, but let's be honest. The narrower road is lonelier. There are less people on it. Why would anybody choose the narrow road? Jesus starts with, Enter through the narrow gate. And at this point in these two contrasts, we're asking the question, why would somebody do that? Why not choose the broad road? Why not choose the spacious road? Why not choose the popular road? Why choose the road with suffering and with loneliness? Well, it's because of the third contrast and the fourth. The third 
is between destruction and life. So I told you the story of Daniel, and he chooses the lonelier road, the harder road. All people, all the government officials are against him. He ends up thrown into a lion's den. That's the narrow road. That's the difficult road. But the rest of the story is he may be lonely but not alone because God is present with him in that lion's den, and not a single lion even takes a snap at him. He is miraculously rescued, brought out of the lion's den. The king of Persia sees that God is with Daniel. He comes to faith. Daniel is, receives favor in his eyes, and he takes all 120 people who conspired against Daniel, throws them into the lion's pit, and they are destroyed and killed. It's because Daniel's narrow path, which did have suffering and was lonelier, that's the path of life. And the broad road, the road the 120 were all running down, that was the road of destruction. The same for Micaiah. Ahab and Jehoshaphat did go off to war. And guess what? Those 400 prophets were wrong. They were totally defeated. And Micaiah is vindicated. And even in the loss, he is protected. When those 400 are exposed to be frauds and many of them killed, as a result of losing that battle. Same thing for the Apostle Paul. He gets to Jerusalem and guess what? Everything happens exactly the way the Holy Spirit said it would happen. He suffers. It's a lonely road. He ends up in prison. But in that prison, he's full of joy and of life and bears much fruit. Why would anybody choose the narrow road? The road of suffering, the road of loneliness? Because it's the road that leads to life. Now, this is not the idea that you sort of walk the road and it's a terrible road and then you get to the end, you find out, oh, actually, this was the road that led to heaven. No, this is the road of life, meaning that there is life along this road the entire way. Yes, there's suffering. Yes, there's loneliness. But this is the road that God walks with us and that God gives us in the midst of that suffering peace and joy and love and faithfulness. And as you're walking that road, Jesus says, choose that road because that road leads leads to life. The broad road leads to destruction. Again, not just, well, walk the happy road and all of a sudden you find out you get to the end, you fall off the cliff. No, it's a road of destruction from beginning to end. See, the irony is, if you let people do whatever they feel like doing, if you allow them to sort of have no boundaries, no, no constraints on what they do, people end up pretty miserable. <laughs> this is not a happy road. Yes, there are pleasures on this road, but all of a sudden people begin to realize, wait a second, I've been charting my own course here and I've been walking down this broad path and all I'm experiencing is destruction and death. And not just destruction now. The Bible says this is the road of everlasting destruction. Never, can you imagine destruction that never ends? Something that's built that just gets destroyed and destroyed and destroyed forever and ever. Whereas the path that Jesus is encouraging us to take, the narrow path, the lonelier path, this is the road of life everlasting life. Can you imagine anything good that you and I like about life? That forever and ever. 
Imagine all the fun things you think about life. If you like summer here in Michigan, if you like weather, if you like the food that goes with wonderful things about life, if you like enjoyment in company, if you like fun sports to do or playing video games or whatever it may be, anything you enjoy about life, imagine that feeling forever and ever and ever, ever increasing life. Life that is overflowing. Life that is fully satisfying. Wouldn't you like to live a fully satisfying life? Jesus says that's this road. Yes, there is suffering. Yes, it is lonelier. But it is the road of satisfaction, of fulfillment, of life that never ends. Why would anybody choose the narrower road? Why would anybody walk along the tight passage? Why would anyone want to be on the harder road? Because it is the road of life. We're all looking for the third road. We're all looking for the broad road with no suffering that also leads to life. Jesus says that road doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And so he says, choose the narrow road. Not because it's easier, it's harder. Not because it's more popular, it's not. But because it's the only path to life. Life is this way. And if you walk the other way, there's no life. Now that contrast between destruction and life and why you would want to choose the narrow road also shows up in our fourth contrast which is more subtle than the first three and when I first read the passage I didn't immediately see it. The first three, broad and narrow, many and few, destruction and life, those are obvious. But there's a fourth contrast which is subtle but very important. You got to listen carefully for it. Listen to verse 13. And then compare it to verse 14. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, and then what does Jesus say? Enter through it. Now listen to verse 14. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now you would expect him to say, only a few enter it. But he changes verbs. And the reason he changes verbs is he is signifying something subtle but very powerful that is true about these true roads. The broad road leads to destruction, but it also has something else that's bad about it that is an aspect of destruction. He says the people who choose this road enter it, but they don't find it. What's he saying? It's a subtle allusion to the fact that people who are on the broad road have lost what we might say in sort of psychological terms. They've lo they're losing agency. They're losing the ability to choose. The idea here is, is that you enter into the broad road and you've made a choice, absolutely, but now you're sort of being swept along. And the imagery here is like that of a parade. When you're in a parade, you're on a broad route. Nobody puts a parade down a narrow tunnel. A parade is a broad route, and you think, look at all of this space. But the reality of a parade is you basically are following the person in front of you. You are free to do whatever you want in a parade, but nobody does. People don't just go running all over the place. These 400 prophets who disagreed with Micaiah, who were saying false prophecy, they were not all saying different things. They were all saying the same thing, and it was wrong. 
The 120 people who were against Daniel were not against him in different ways. They were all against him in the same way. And the idea is, is when you're marching in a parade, you just simply do what the person next to you is doing. And you do what the person in front of you is doing. And the irony is, is you would think that the broad road gives freedom, but it doesn't. You have to do what the person in front of you is doing and what the person around you is doing. This is the crazy thing. Jesus says about the narrow road, those who, are, who go choose the narrow road, they find it. Do you hear the agency there? Do you hear the ability to make a choice? The idea is it's more like a hike in the woods along a narrow path. Yes, it's more narrow. But don't you feel more alive when you're sort of hiking in the woods and if you've made a wrong turn off the path and you get back on the path or when you're with a guide and you're like, is this the right way to go? Is that the right way to go? You're still engaging and making decisions. And so even though it's more constrained, we're more human as we walk that path. Jesus says, broad is the road and those who enter into it, they lose their humanity because they get swept along in what everybody else is doing. That's why when you think about life, it's not like there's a million different opinions out there. There's basically what God has to say and the stuff that's anti-God. And Jesus is like, if you choose that, you're gonna lose your humanity. And pretty soon you find you're no longer thinking for yourself, you're no longer choosing for yourself, you're no longer being your own person. That's a lie from Satan. You're walking down a broad road on a parade of destruction. And the fourth contrast is, is those who choose the narrow road get to keep choosing all the way down the path. Now you're not free to choose whatever you want, but in your engagement with God and with others, you and I get to be humans, truly human, to continue to walk this path and make our choices to follow that path. So Jesus says everything in life, there are two paths, for life in general and for specific areas of life. One path is broad and it's well populated, but it's a path of destruction and you actually lose your humanity as you walk the road. The other path is narrow. It's full of suffering and trouble. There's not lots of people on it. It can be a lonely and difficult road. But it's the path of life. And you and I truly become human as we walk down this road, leading to everlasting life. So what do we do with this teaching? Jesus, in just a few verses in Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 and 27, what we say for our benediction is gonna tell us that if we hear his words and do nothing with them, we're like a foolish person who builds their house on the sand and the floods come and the house get washed away. But if we hear Jesus' words and do something with them, put them into practice, we're like a wise person who lives a rock solid life. So what should we do with Jesus' teaching? Well, I have assignment for all of us. Here is our assignment. I know you're thinking you wanna be the college student playing Frisbee on the quad and I'm already giving you homework. <laughs> Here's your homework. Enter through the narrow gate. That's what Jesus says, that's the assignment. 
enter through the narrow gate. How? Well, for some of you here, this is your assignment. If you're not yet a Christian, what Jesus is telling you is you have a choice. A choice between two paths. There's not a third choice here. There's not a path that is broad that leads to heaven. There is either the broad path that is well populated but leads to destruction and loss of humanity or there is the path that is narrow, difficult, more lonely but leads to life and what it truly means to be human engaging with our creator. And Jesus says your assignment is choose the narrow path. The amazing thing about this passage is everybody in this passage is making a choice. You either choose the broad path or you choose the narrow path. Nobody ends up on a path by accident. And so your assignment, if you're not yet a Christian, if you're thinking about these things, if you're not sure of where you stand in your faith, your assignment is ask which path are you choosing? Are you choosing the broad path or are you choosing the narrow path? Everybody makes a choice. And Jesus' encouragement is, choose life. Why would you choose destruction? Why would you choose this? If you're on the broad path, ask yourself, which path am I on? If you're on the broad path, the question is, this is the path that leads to destruction. This is where rock bottom is. This is where addictions are. This is where difficulty is. It's where strife is. It's where hatred is. It's where all the antagonism is. Jesus is saying, why would you want that path? And the assignment is, please, please choose the narrow path. Now you might wonder, well, how? Well, we've emphasized the path language, but what Jesus actually says is enter through the narrow gate. That's how you get onto the narrow path. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the gate. So how do you choose the narrow path? You choose Jesus. This is the path that Jesus walked. It's a path that involved crucifixion. It was a path of suffering and difficulty. It was a lonely path. He was deserted by all of his disciples. The crowds left him. But it's the path of everlasting life. He was raised from the dead and is currently seated at the right hand of God, going to return to this earth to rule forever and ever, a kingdom that will never end. If you choose Jesus, you are choosing this path. If you will not choose Jesus, you are choosing the broad path. And so your assignment, if you're not yet a Christian, is just simply in your heart, as you hear my voice, just simply decide, I want to choose Jesus. Choosing is not something you have to do. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to raise your hand. If you want to do those things, those are great. But in your heart right now, you have a choice. And if in your heart you say, I choose Jesus, I choose Jesus, then you're choosing the narrow path. And so my assignment to you is, which path are you on? Which one have you chosen? Jesus is inviting you and imploring you, choose this path. It's not a bait and switch. He's not deceiving you. It is a harder path. 
It is a lonelier path. If you choose this path, there is going to be difficulty. But it's the path of life. It's the path of being truly human. And so your assignment is make the right choice. Second, for the rest of us who are already Christians, here's our assignment for today or for this week. I want you to pick some area of life. Maybe it has to do with your views on sexuality. Maybe it has to do with schooling stuff. Maybe it has to do with money or with retirement or with technology or the things that you're sort of working through. Pick an area of life and ask yourself the question, which path am I on in this area? There are two paths, a broad path and a narrow path. Ask yourself, which path am I on? And you might say, well, how will I know? There's a couple of ways. Number one, as you walk this path, are you experiencing suffering and trouble and difficulty for doing it? If you're just being swept along with everybody else, if there's nobody around you, yes, I hope that there are lots of good Christian people around you who are supporting what you're doing. But even the Apostle Paul at times had Christians around him who telling him not to obey the Lord. If there's something you are doing in this area where you're like, this is a harder road, and we're struggling because we're holding to these views or because we're doing these things, that may be a sign that you're on the right path. If in this area, there's not that many people walking this way, if you've decided, you know what, I'm not gonna do retirement the way everybody else is doing it. I feel like God's calling me to do something different in retirement. We're not gonna do phones in our family the way everybody else is doing phones. We're gonna do something different in that area. Whatever it may be, if you find yourself walking on a path in which there are less people doing that, that can be a sign that you're on the right path. Are you experiencing life in that area? Are you experiencing in the midst of the struggle and the suffering, God's presence with you? And you're like, you know what? I'm in this Christian school and all these people around me are believing something that I don't think Jesus wants me to believe, but I feel his presence with me. Then you're on the right path. And then finally, one of the surest ways to know that you're on the right path is have you ever ever gotten off the path? You see, you can't get off a broad path. It's too wide. A narrow path, if you've ever found yourself sliding off that path or stepping off that path or losing that path and having to go back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, uh, I, I, I gave in when I shouldn't have given in. If you've ever been like, man, Jesus, you gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and I just didn't take it. That's you wandering off the narrow path. If you ever find yourself doing that and confessing to God, I shouldn't have done that, that's how you know you're on the narrow path. That's why you still have human agency because the idea is is God is still interacting with you about it. If you've ever begged God, Lord, I know I'm on this path. I know I'm not in charge of this path, but could you please make the path turn right? Could you please let me go up that hill? Could we please stop for a minute? I need some rest. If that's your experience, then you're on the narrow path. Nobody on the broad path does that. And so your assignment is in whatever area of life the Lord has brought to mind, ask, am I on the narrow path in this area? Or am I on the broad path? Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. 
but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Let's pray. Jesus, we can't find the narrow path without you. So would you send your spirit and help us? For those who don't know you, would you awaken faith in them today? May they hear your words and believe and be saved. And for those who are already Christians, Lord Jesus, would you give us the honesty to ask if we're just simply being swept along with the crowds or we're walking our own path. Guide us and direct us. Thank you for being our shepherd who leads us. Take us along this path that we might follow you and let us experience life. We pray this in your name. Amen.